Presents Spooky South Coast with your hosts Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening. Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa. And sitting in with us this month, as he, uh, this week as he does every month, is Jeff Belanger. How are you tonight, Jeff? I'm doing great. Happy, uh, happy Valentine's Day to you. And I see we're both wearing red. Yes, I, and I Which did not put probably, this on. Probably an accident yeah, for both of us. I did not put this on for, for Valentine's Day. I put it on because it was at the top of the pile. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so. this one smelled the cleanest when I put it on. That's, and I'm, I'm glad because usually I wear my Patriot sweatshirt here because it's, it's, it's just the right texture for this room because it's never too cold, never too hot. You know, and, and who knows how the weather will go here in the spooky studio. This this is actually the climate system they put in here in the 1940s. <laughs> well, it's so. still working, thank goodness. And being Valentine's Day, of course, uh, want to say hello to our, our funny little honeys, who I'm sure are glued to the radio right now. Love you, honey. Thank you so much for uh, being my Valentine and uh, putting up with my insane, scary, spooky life. And for a lot of people, Valentine's Day is a nightmare. So tonight's yes. topic is so apropos. And here's a tip for people. It's not too late. There's still some 24-hour grocery stores if you need to go get a card. Here's a free tip for all you guys out there. Go out, buy two cards, and then what you do is you you take the text from the other card and you handwrite it into the first <laughs> card. So they think, you know, you're like incredibly poetic and romantic and <laughs> that's uh, a good idea. yeah, that's a free one. You yeah. go ahead and, and run with that. So, cool. uh, happy Valentine's Day and for those of you who don't have a date your home, uh, you know, and what better to be doing than listening to Spooky South Coast, put the knife down, put down the gun. Maybe uh, ease up on the drinking and uh, stay with us for the next two hours. Because if anybody will leave you uh, sad and despondent by the end of two hours, it'll be us. It'll definitely be us. Well, especially tonight, because we're going to be talking about nightmares, as you uh, alluded to before. We're going to be talking about sleep paralysis, uh, old hag syndrome, everything that can come and bother you in the night. That's what we're going to be talking and about. And that tonight. would include us because, yes, because it's nighttime and, and, and people get ready for bed and they lay down and they, <laughs> they have WBSM on in the background as they drift off to sleep and then they hear this program and they're up for the next three or four hours. That's right. But, you know, I was actually out in the store today trying to buy a Valentine's Day card. Uh, you know, not, not the one that I bought for my wife, of course. I got that many weeks ago, right. but I was trying to find one for my son to give to her. And, uh, I, I, overheard people talking uh, about, you know, the idea of Valentine's Day, and they were talking about dreams that they had, about how the Valentine's Day that they had planned out didn't work out, and, and they basically were saying, you know, it was a nightmare. And I said, I wonder how many people, you know, stress out about, because I've never stressed about Valentine's Day. You know, it's always been kind of a, I'm lucky my wife tells me what she wants months in advance. <laughs> So I've never really had to stress out about it, but for some people, I can imagine that just the kind of nightmares they must have leading up to this day. Oh, this day, this day is a nightmare for a lot of people, and and you know, God, I'm, I've been with my wife for a long time now, even before marriage, and you know, Megan's been with me through thick and thin, and she's amazing. And but this day, there's still this this pressure, and I'm sure it's 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 not from her, it's from me, and and from Hallmark and all those yeah. other evil forces in the universe. But but you sit there and you're like, oh, I don't want to mess this up, and. 
and you want to get it right because there is pressure to, to say what these people mean to you know the people close to you what they mean to you on this day and uh, and you do want to get it right and and it's uh, it's always tricky but yet the, the you biggest know, problem is when you do a good job one year and then that just mounts right. the pressure for the next yeah but you know it's you know hey it's a bad economy we set a budget and we said just a couple little things and and you know we had a date night last night so I, I think we got off okay and if we can just survive less than two more hours we will be free and clear of this day for yet another year then I don't have to worry till Mother's Day. Well, and you, and right. yourself yeah, as no, well I'm, too. I'm so. with you. The the one thing too is, as you said, you know, it is a bad economy, and so you try to do what you can, and it just seems like you know, that's that's what everybody's thinking about these days. You know, I listen to the the other big paranormal show or supposedly paranormal show that's on every night, and you know, they're not even talking about the paranormal anymore because the economy is so bad that that's all people want to talk about. But I wonder, you know, how much of that is factoring into people's minds when they're asleep, into their subconscious? Oh, you know, what's incredible about the sleep state, first of all, I, I wrote a book, actually, for one, to get a shameless plug-in early here, uh, called The Nightmare Encyclopedia. I see you have your, your copy, I, which I, I, I just signed. Thank uh, you. Put an obscenity in there for you. <laughs> it increases the value. <laughs> Don't show your kids. Uh, so uh, I, I did a lot of research on, on uh, dreaming and sleep and everything else. And what's amazing about this is scientists don't fully understand that we dream yet. We've got good ideas. I mm-hmm. mean, we know if you deprive someone of sleep long enough, they'll die. You'll have a total neurological meltdown and you will die. Uh, if, you, if you're deprived of deep sleep long enough, you know, you're a mess. Anyone who's ever had a child and, and remembers those first couple of months where you're, you're up every hour or more uh, and you go weeks without sleep, you're you're just you're existing and nothing more. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're just a you're a, a living organism, but you're not you're not living. You're, you know, you're you're just existing, and so it's so important. And one of the thoughts is is what's happening when you're dreaming is that it seems to be linked with memory storage. So uh, a, an analogy I like to use for my fellow computer geeks out there is that it's almost like defragmenting your hard drive when you sleep at night. Your brain's going through everything you learned that day and saying, okay, we're going to really need to hold on to this a long time. This, you know, that mundane event doesn't really matter. This we might hold on to for a little bit. And and so it's going through all that process. And and you're also sorting through issues that sh- that are going on in your life, like the bad economy. You know, mm-hmm. you, you that's that's in all our minds. I mean, you can't turn on the radio, television, open the newspaper without being reminded of how bad it is. So, you know, that's definitely in your mind. And you're, you got to remember the language of the mind is not is not spoken words, but imagery. So it's not like sitting down with you and saying, "Well, Tim, you know, <laughs> you should you should be saving a little more." And and uh, it's just imagery, and, and we have to decode that. It's all symbolism, and and I think we can get into some of this a little bit later on with our with our guests, the the guys from Soul Smack. Uh, but I, I think that. You know, a lot of these images that have become recurring themes in people's dreams, uh, they need to kind of crack through and figure out what it is that's why they're having that that experience. And then at the same time, we also have to look at you know what's surrounding the dreams. When we're talking about sleep paralysis, when we're talking about night terrors and all these different things, you know, is what is in your dream is that part of what is leading into these supposed nocturnal attacks? It's going to be an awesome discussion tonight. I've we've been we talked earlier today, and uh, and I knew this was coming all week, and. I'm I'm excited for it because there's so much that goes on uh, at night. You know, there's there's those dreams that seem like they were more than just just dreams. You know, there's like you said, the old hag syndrome and the sleep paralysis, uh, night visitations, and and then just plain dream interpretation, which we'll definitely get into later. If anyone wants to call in, we can uh, try our hand at some dream interpretation. 
Absolutely. Uh, and I'll be I'll be glad to do that and, and talk people through uh, you know just some rudimentary stuff. I got one for you that I'll share later on that I had during <laughs> a nap today. I'm the only person I know that takes like seven-hour naps and has dreams during them, but we'll get into that later. And if you'd like to call in at all during the show to join in the discussion or to, to talk about dreams or experiences you've had during the night, give us a call, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. You can also email us, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com. And, and, Jeff, before we take a break here so we don't forget, you, you've got some upcoming stuff on your calendar. Why don't you share that with your listeners? Yeah, I just added a new event. Uh, for those of you who were... Uh, Looking into the Beyond Reality Events Mount Washington Hotel uh, conference with the, the folks from TAPS, uh, from the Ghost Hunter Show on the Sci-Fi Channel, uh, that was sold out uh, the weekend of April 24th to 26th. They just added a new weekend, the weekend before, uh, just went on sale. Uh, I'll be there again. I'll be there both weekends. And it's last year was just a great event, and this year I'm sure will be awesome as well. It's a great place. It's uh, April 17th to 20th. 2009, Brenton Woods, New Hampshire, at the Mount Washington Hotel. New weekend just added. You can go to beyondrealityevents.com and uh, and check it out. And and don't put it off. It will make a great Valentine's Day gift. Uh, and, and you don't want to wait too long because the, these sell out whenever they start putting an event up. I mean, it's it, they're oh, yeah. gone within days. They go quick. And actually, last year, uh, uh, you may remember, folks who listen to uh, Spooky South Coast, um, uh, right here on right here WBSM. On, yeah. And, and uh, maybe we'll do that again if they plan on doing another radio show or... Maybe they found a, a, a bigger outlet for it, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> Whatever works for them, uh, we'll, we'll be glad to sit here uh, both weeks and, and run the show for them before ours. And I will be there uh, with beer in hand, uh, helping however I can. Well, you, you and Moniz can handle the, uh, you know, making sure everything happens smoothly on that end because we had a lot of technical issues. So we'll have two spooky South Coast veterans there that can help <laughs> right. make sure things things go smoothly. Yeah, that'll be great. All right, so why don't we take a break. When we come back, we will talk to Paul Tate and Andrew Barnes of Soul Smack about their new documentary entitled Your Worst Nightmare, Supernatural Assault. If you'd like to check out their website, it's soulsmack.com. It's also linked up right on the front page of spookysouthcoast.com, and we'll talk with them about Your Worst Nightmares. And uh, we'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. I'd like to know how many of you have ever woken up unable to move or, or cry out. And sometimes I was scared to even go to sleep because I would wonder, is this a night that's going to happen to me? I don't know if I can deal with this again. And I was like paralyzed to the bed. I, I couldn't move. I'm laying there on my back. and I just felt this heavy weight like something or was was holding me down, keeping me from moving. We erased knowledge of these experiences from the cultural repertoire while the experiences were continuing to happen. That is dramatic. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. To die, to sleep, to sleep, perchance to dream, aye, there's the rub. For in that sleep of death, what dreams may come when we have all shuffled off this mortal coil. Hamlet, Shakespeare, from his To Be or Not To Be soliloquy. At one point, I actually had that memorized. I had to memorize it for English class in high school. Thanks. I thought it would be kind of a, a nice little lead-in. 
That was, and that sets the mood perfectly for our discussion tonight. And uh, we are talking, you heard a little bit of uh, audio from the trailer uh, from Soul Smack, who have produced a new documentary called Your Worst Nightmare, Supernatural Assault. And the gentlemen who produce that are joining us right now, Paul Tate and Andrew Barnes. How are you guys tonight? Good. How are you doing? Oh, we're spooktacular, as we say here. Nice intro, you guys. Thank you. There was uh, Jeff, uh, you know, <laughs> frequently quotes Shakespeare around here, and he right. likes to add a little bit of class to the program. I'm a, I'm a regular thespian. <laughs> we uh, like thespians. Yes, we do. They're great, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, God, I love thespians. <laughs> so, so guys, I mean, this documentary, uh, and, and for those who have seen it, uh, it's been kind of life-changing for a number of people in, in terms of realizing, wow, you know, there is more to this than I thought. And for the people who were involved, uh, the people whose case studies you went into in the film, uh, I can only imagine the feeling that they must have got to be able to get their story dreams. <laughs> Are you guys having nightmares from all the work that you've been doing here? Oh, that's a brilliant question. Uh, when we took this project on as a film project, we had to consider it quite seriously because I personally knew several people who had experienced sleep paralysis with a supernatural presence. Um, this is Andrew speaking. And uh, I also had remotely seen the demon in question um, making uh, approaches towards another person that I knew very well. So the concept of making a movie about something that's going to be good enough to really get into the nitty-gritty of it was, um, was very thought-provoking. And as it turns out, uh, yes, we had a lot of experiences that uh, increased our contact with, uh, with uh, the visitors that come during sleep paralysis. Uh, Paul and uh, Andrew, this is Jeff. I, I, How are you, I, Hey, I'm doing great. <laughs> I, I, just, I thought maybe we should start with what is sleep paralysis, or, or maybe we should use a, a bigger umbrella, you know, old hag syndrome, which mm-hmm. is certainly not a medical term, but maybe you guys could kind of describe uh, what we're talking about here. Uh, sleep paralysis is a, is a very simple phenomenon to understand. If, uh, particularly if you're overtired or overstressed, your body's rhythms simply get out of sync. And uh, one of the things that happens is uh, you may get yourself REM-deprived, and uh, being unable to have REM sleep while you're sleeping in your normal cycles, you'll end up having REM experiences when you're actually awake. And uh, this can happen as you wake up and your body's motor system just hasn't sh- turned on again. And uh, so that's sleep can't move. Right, right. And I think what uh, what people don't understand, something I learned when I was researching this years ago, uh, I was talking to uh, Dr. Emmanuel uh, Migno, who's the professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at Stanford, uh, studies the, he's also the director of center, uh, the Center for Narcolepsy at Stanford. And uh, about every 90 minutes, we, we go through these sleep cycles initially. So at first you go to bed, you're very groggy, you're tired, you're, you know, you, you're out of it, and your brain waves are very slow. And then you get into REM sleep, REM, rapid eye movement, where you're, you're deep sleep, and your brain waves are very active, and your body is naturally, normally uh, paralyzed. That's mm-hmm. a normal part of sleep for everybody. And uh, you know, as our guests are saying, you know, sometimes you wake up in the middle of that, and it's a it's a misfire of your brain. You're awake, and the message hasn't got to your body yet. Um, so that's that's 
uh, and it happened, according to the, the doctor I spoke with, it happens to about 40% of people. I've experienced it. I, I didn't have anything more than that, but I have woken up where I, I'm in bed and I'm very conscious of my environment. There's my room. I can see my closet and the doors and everything, but I can't move. I, I'm, abs- I'm stuck and, and it's frightening because you are paralyzed. And then it seems like it lasts a long time, but it's really only maybe six, seven, eight seconds tops. And then you move again and you're awake and, and you say, well, what was that? Well, and, and Paul, I'll throw this question out to you. Does it seem almost like uh, it's, it's sleep paralysis is kind of the inverse of we've all had it happen where we've kind of dozed off and kind of not realized we were asleep and then startled awake? I mean, is this kind of like almost startling still asleep, if you get what I'm saying? Well, the, you know, there are, two, there are two ways to look at sleep paralysis, one from the explanation that Andrew just provided, and then there's the paranormal side of, Sleep paralysis. Um, you know, obviously, we have the paralysis dreams, and you know, if if we didn't have the paralysis, we'd be trying to run in our sleep, and we'll probably punch our partners. As you know, all sorts of crazy stuff could happen. So our brain will automatically um, shut off our motor system, so we can't act out our dreams. But then there's another side to this, which is um, from the paranormal aspect, that we, we say one in five people, or we found one in five people will suffer from sleep paralysis at one point in their lifetime, but then and a further 80% of those one in five go on to have this strange um, experience that we, we've discovered, and it, they basically have visitations from, as you mentioned earlier, the old hag, or the shadow men, and these these can be quite terrifying for the people in question. And you said that um, sometimes sleep paralysis can go on for like you know it seems like six or so seconds, but we found that about the sleep paralysis hits for wow. some people. Wow, and that that's... can be that could be amazingly frightening for these people. And usually, when that happens, when it goes on for an extended period of time. Sleep paralysis can turn into um, what we term an OBE, an out-of-body experience, which we found um, from many of the people we've spoken to during the research for this documentary. And um, Dr. Hufford actually spoke of shamanic um, people who, who are shamans who practice the, the shamanic way of life actually cultivating sleep paralysis and using it as a means to escape the body. Interesting. Did you guys come across uh, any research on the Hmong people of Laos? Yes, we did. Um, well, we, we, we spoke to Dr. Hufford as well, and he was talking about um, the actual, the, the sudden, unexplained nocturnal death syndrome that the Hmong refugees were suffering. Right. Um, and it was, it was, you know, it was causing a stir amongst the medical world because these people believe that um, they were having these bouts of sleep paralysis. Well, they were having bouts of sleep paralysis, and a, a hell of a lot of them. And um, they believed because they were having this, that the, when people died in their sleep, and they couldn't explain the reason for death, because, and they do know the reason why now, but they couldn't explain at the time, and they were putting this down to the sleep paralysis that was killing these young men. 
And, you know, these young men were, were dying in, on autopsy. No, no cause of death was being discovered. So, Right, right. Yeah, no, and, and, and the story is amazing because these, you have to realize the, the backstory to these people. Uh, this was during the Vietnam era. They were displaced. And so, uh, before Vietnam, these are, these were hill, hillside people, hill country people who made offerings. They felt that that was a, a spectral attack and you made offerings to your ancestors to protect you from these kinds of attacks. Yeah. They believe it was called the Da, the Da Cho, uh, was the monster that would come after you and they called the, uh, they they called the whole experience. Uh, I believe it's the Chu Chua or something close to that. My yeah. Viet- Vietnamese is not perfect uh, by any means, uh, but well, it's pretty good. <laughs> well, thank you. But so, so these folks, uh, you know, all of a sudden Vietnam War comes through. Um, the CIA armed these folks you know, to try to help with the war effort. Many of them came over to the United States, and their old ways are kind of odd here, so that they they get dropped. And like you're saying, folks are dying in their sleep, and and that's because we're not we're not practicing mm-hmm. our old rituals we're not making offerings to the ancestors and we're paying for it with our lives and, and were you able to talk to some of these people uh, for the documentary or in we your research no we didn't actually talk to any Hmong people but we did speak to um, a lot of Cambodian people and they, they, they actually now are one of the highest sufferers of sleep paralysis in the known world I mean and, and this, this stems back to their own traumatic experiences that they experienced during the Pol Pot um, dictatorship that was happening in their country where, you know, over a million people of the population of Cambodia were killed, you know, in various forms, executions, and, and they, they suffered terribly during these times from 1975, I believe it was a five-year period, from 19, actually 1975 to 1979. So a lot of the refugees that are now here in, in the United States um, suffer tremendous amounts or bouts of sleep paralysis. One of the, uh, one of the things that's uh, probably important to notice uh, when you compare the Laotian population and the Vietnamese population is that they both have, both cultures have beliefs concerning uh, people who've passed away before and who may come back and haunt you. And uh, their cultural belief system uh, says that this ghost or demon that comes and attacks during uh, sleep paralysis is the ghost of a dead person who has, uh, who has remained on earth and is haunting people. And uh, it's extremely traumatic and uh, the, uh, an interesting detail is that for the Laotian population who saw so many thousands of people killed, believe that every time you see, you witness personally, every time you watch a person get killed, uh, that that person is now going to haunt you because you witnessed their death. Hmm. You know, powerful stuff, and you know, it's interpretation is everything of, of any of these, any dream experience, any any profound experience, whether. You know, it be paranormal or not, uh, it's all in the eye of the beholder. You know, so mm-hmm. if you've got a dreamer who wakes up and says, "Well, that's odd. I can't move. This must be temporary sleep paralysis." <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. or or someone else who says, you know, who came from that culture saying that my my I've heard stories about this, and I'm now going through it. This is a, an attack, and uh, and and that has to play on your psyche. It's a it's a it's really problematic because in Western culture we don't have a name for this anymore. The, uh, we used to, hundreds of years ago, it was uh, common knowledge that this 
sort of nighttime attack uh, would would happen to a certain number of people, particularly when they're you know younger, up to the age of 25. But uh, today, the Western societies, Europe, United States, are really the only cultures in which people who have this experience are afraid to talk about it. And uh, for listeners, I'm sure people are saying, yeah, duh, of course I'm not going to talk about it. Do you think I'm going to tell my friends or my family or my doctor that I believe I'm being attacked by some sort of demon in the night? You will be called insane. And it's one of the central reasons behind this documentary because that lack of knowledge and that isolation that happens to people must come to an end. We see the signs of it, though. Even if we don't hear about the actual experiences, we can almost tell some of the signs of people who have gone through it, whether it be, you know, can't sleep in their own bed or, uh, you know, somebody who just can't fall asleep uh, after the other person has fallen asleep. They ha- they have to be the one to go down first. I mean, there's little signs that we see in, in our relationships uh, growing up. I mean, I know I had a lot of issues with this when I was younger, and not so much anymore, but that's because, you know, hey, thanks. Now my, uh, now my sleep paralysis has turned into sleep apnea. And <laughs> so, but I mean, there's, there's certain signs that we see and we can almost tell when somebody might be having problems at night, uh, it, with their dreams, with sleep paralysis. Uh, you know, when you, if, if you've ever woken up and, and your wife or your, your husband or whoever is, is laying next to you, you look over and they're wide awake, but they're just laying there. And it isn't really until you try to make contact with them that they even acknowledge that they see you, that they're aware that you're there. I mean, can you almost, like, figure out if somebody has this sleeping next to you, or is it kind of like until they're willing to open up, you're not going to be able to know the difference? There's a guy in a tuxedo, by the way, walking out of the 99 across from the (laughs) spooky studio here. Um, That's a a great question, I think, because, you know, the person who's experiencing a supernatural assault is probably not going to say that that's what happened to them. Mm -hmm. So you may see someone lying next to you in bed, if it's your partner or your wife or a sibling, and uh, you'll be convinced that they're wide awake. It's very uncommon. Usually you're asleep when this happens, but it happens, and there are stories about it. And unless the person wakes up, I mean comes out of the paralysis and says, why didn't you do something to help me? I was being attacked. Didn't you see that creature sitting on my chest? If they don't say that, you will have no idea what they went through. And a lot of people, people are truly convinced that they saw something sitting on their chest trying to harm them. But aren't aren't some people, I mean, maybe they don't even know. Maybe they just say, well, that's a nightmare. I'm scared. I'm frightened. I just experienced something, and now I'm awake. I mean, how how can you tell the difference between... You hit right on the crux of the problem. Right. Um, I mean, even the witness, the, the person who just went mm-hmm. through it. Well, <laughs> it's actually very black and white for the person who experiences it. The pre- your listeners right now, those of them who have... Heard, had this experience or saying, yeah, I know whether this is real or not. But let me tell you, it was real. Uh, and in Western culture, in the United States, uh, we actually talked to psychiatrists and psychologists and got uh, tremendous feedback and thanks from the medical profession because uh, if an American victim of sleep paralysis with supernatural assault insists 
that it was a real experience, and they will insist that it was real because they heard the door open. There are 32 descriptors of of a typical sleep paralysis with a frightening. They will say that it was real, and as soon as they say it's real, the uh, the medical world will tend to six out of ten times diagnose that patient as having had a psychotic episode and they may well diagnose them as being schizophrenic. And all the stuff that they say they saw goes into a little file called Not Otherwise Specified, just details that were rather bizarre hallucinations that have no name in the medical world. Right. No, I mean, but, but speaking of the medical world and, and psychology, there is a phenomena that we, we do know about called hypnagogic and hypnopopic hallucinations, which involve... And I've also had that experience, and I can tell you it was very it was boring, um, but I'll, I'll tell you what it was. Uh, a hypnagogic hallucination is basically where you, uh, you're you awake and going into a sleep state, mm-hmm. and, and you're carrying an image through. Hypnopopic is the opposite. You're asleep and, and coming out of it. Very, you know, very short window there. And here's an example of a, a hypnopopic hallucination I've had. I recall a dream where I was I was looking at a mountain scene. It was just a beautiful scene. And I think my alarm went off, and I woke up, and there's my bedroom, and there's the mountain still there, but then the mountain fades. It kind of just bled it through. Just, from... It just bled through, you know, seconds, really. But that was a hypnopopic hallucination textbook, you know. Mm-hmm. And so what some scientists will dismiss some of these events as temporary sleep paralysis combined with a hypnopopic hallucination. So right. you, 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 you are paralyzed. Yes, that's true. They acknowledge that. Uh, and you woke up and you're still seeing a leftover remnant of your dream that's now in the room with you, just like I saw the mountain scene in the room, except that wasn't a nightmare or anything. It was just, just like I said, boring. But I recall it being intriguing that it was still there for a minute, not a minute, seconds. And, and so, uh, so we do know about these kinds of hallucinations. And you have to remember, too, I mean, a dream, almost by the definition, is a hallucination. It's, it's sure. imagery that you're not actually seeing with your eyes. And so it gets so difficult for, for people to discern, especially psychologists. And, and I'm sure, yeah, the first thing they're going to want to do, they might want to start prescribing, you know, psychotic medication and, and things like that for, to, to try to handle this. But, but what, what other options do they have? Well, if you prescribe medicine, if you prescribe some sort of sleeping agent, uh, what have you accomplished, actually? I mean, okay, so the person sleeps through the night. But there's no evidence to suggest that that actually prevented any of these experiences from happening. It's uh, a big but problem. It's a big problem that the medical fe- profession uh, faces because they tend to say, well, you slept through the night. We've cured this. Right. Well, but that is an absence of evidence. Part of the, part of the problem with it, though, is uh, what the way that they're looking at sleep and looking at dreams and, and analyzing it is it's it's kind of just, they just want to make sure that you get to that dream state. They're not really concerned about what's going on once you're there. I mean, I know in the, in the I've undergone, you know, more than a handful of sleep studies. I've been involved in, in basically, uh, you know, combating sleep disorders for the last few years and even beyond that before I was diagnosed. And I was, at least in my younger days, uh, I was... I was the kind of person that would lay there for an over an hour before I would actually fall asleep. And I would get into that, like that hypnagogic state where I would see things and, and kind of, it would just, I wouldn't fall asleep. I would just kind of like blend between reality and dreaming. 
And over the years, and what would happen is, and I'll just get this out of the way so I can just tell my personal story now. <laughs> but what would happen is, is I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would be paralyzed. And unlike these reports that you're talking about where it's a few seconds or even as much as 20 minutes, I would be frozen for very prolonged periods of time where I was losing hours of sleep at night because of this. I would wake up convinced that somebody was in the house. Uh, and I always thought burglar at the time. I always thought human presence, but I was convinced there was somebody in the house. And not only could I not move, but I almost didn't want to move either because if I did, I would be found out. But I, even if I had to finally say, all right, you've got to get up and go open the door, I couldn't. And this would go on, you know, because of where I positioned my clock, I could at least, I was able to move my eyes and see. And I knew it was going on for prolonged periods of time. Uh, eventually, what ended up happening is over many years, and it was really bad, and I'm also narcoleptic, which doesn't help. You know, I can't stay awake. I can't stay awake during the day, and I can't stay asleep during the night. You're doing a great job right now. <laughs> He's actually asleep. He's sleep talking. I, I, I do. I can, I can, sometimes I can do His this. His eyes hours. are closed completely. But, uh, you know, I get to the point He's where, talented. um, now when I go down, I instantly drop into REM 4 which kind of blew the minds of the people that were studying my test. They said they'd never seen that before. But it's like immediately I go into that dream state, but ironically, I don't remember having any of these. And so my question to them was almost as, did I develop this disorder, what they're calling a disorder, as almost a defense mechanism for how I was experiencing sleep? And they don't want to answer that question. They just want to treat the disorder and not try to figure out what the root cause of it was. You know, but what if that's happening to other people? What if other people are coming up with these afflictions because they can't stay asleep through the night because this is so profound for them? Yeah, I mean, we we interviewed quite a few people for this show, and one of the girls actually we interviewed spoke of a similar story where she would wake up in the middle of the night and, like you said, you would sense a presence or an intruder in the room. And although she said she didn't see it, she knew it was there. And, you know, her words were, she knew something was there, but whatever she did, she just couldn't move because see, she didn't want it to know she was in its presence. With, with me, it was never actually in the same room as me. It was always in a different room, and I never really got that sense that it was in my room, which is kind of weird because yeah. most people, it's, it's like right there hovering over them almost or holding them down. But with me, it was always, it's in the next room, it's in the other room, and, and I, I almost had an overwhelming sense of, I can escape if I can just get up, but yeah. I can't get up. No, you won't. And no matter how hard you try, and when you're in the deep paralysis, you, you, you can't move. I'm trying to move a toe or a finger. You can break. I'm going to say the spell. It's not a spell, but you can break the paralysis. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, there are ways that people have found out to, to stop the paralysis. But the, the main question is, what, what are they actually experiencing here? What is it that's actually coming into their room when they claim they see these entities or non the non-material entities? What's happening there? So this is where, from my perspective, point of view from the paranormal side I get pretty excited about this and um, I you know I look at the, all the possibilities I don't rule anything out and, until I've looked it over and, and done some research on it right but but as with any paranormal experience which when someone comes to you and says you know forget the dream state I, I saw I had this paranormal experience I was in my house I saw grandma or uh, I had this frightening encounter where I saw something that was completely out of place 
how do you decipher the meaning? I mean, you've you've got people. First of all, if you've got someone who can't sleep, I can understand how anyone in the medical community is trying to help them because mm-hmm. sleep is sleep is necessary, absolutely yeah. necessary. Look at look at the the poor people who who go through a PTSD or post traumatic stress disorder. That that's a that's a nightmare that they actually live through, and they're afraid to go to sleep at night because every time they close their eyes, they're going to replay it, and so they might be getting just a couple hours of sleep at night, finally just you know collapsing from exhaustion, yeah. but that's that's not enough. Anyone, like we said earlier, anyone with kids knows. Imagine going like and that for years. Isn't that exhaustive sleep well, that more a, prone to these, these type of attacks? That can cause a REM rebound. If you're waking up all the time during the night, just before you slip into REM, you're starving yourself of REM sleep. So what happens at any point? Because you, you slip into what they call a REM rebound. I mean, also, when you go to sleep that next night, it could, it could come on twice as strong. So... You know, when people are having these disturbed sleep patterns, that that can be pretty detrimental to, you know, their whole state, their whole being, um, just from what what they what they don't get physically from from the sleep they're losing. And and even worse about it is, you know, these these uh, these supernatural assaults as you describe them in the film. I mean, that's just what you're waking up to experience. We don't know what's going on when we're still asleep, and. Uh, I think that almost if there is a paranormal uh, cause for these, you know, giving somebody a CPAP machine or a, or a dose of Ambien, all you're kind of doing is making it easier for these attacks to continue. They just won't be aware of it. Yeah, I mean, the, the supernatural attack or the supernatural assault, you know, I, I believe this is happening for some people and it is real as real can be. And for, for some others, they just experience they're experiencing common sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. But for others, they're experiencing something that we or science cannot explain today. And there are theories out there. I've got some of my own theories. Um, you know, and we've spoken to some credible people who also believe that this is an attack. And you know, the, the beliefs of, of people who come from cultures that are ancient or old belief systems all of these people claim that they worldwide have have uh, have experienced this. You know, this cannot be discarded as nonsense or or uncredible just because we're we in the Western world don't have the same beliefs. Oh, absolutely, and and you're right. It is happening the world over, and it's happening to plenty of Americans. And I, I was on your website today, uh, soulsmack.com, and watching some of the trailers um, and preparing for this tonight. And uh, could you guys maybe talk about um, you know you know there's there's genuine fear, and and that's what the camera allows when when you when you see these people talking about what they go through, genuine fear of of what they've experienced. Can you talk about like some of the experiences, some of the that some of the people would see on your website? Yes, uh, you might be very interested in uh, Heather's story. Uh, She's the uh, blonde girl that uh, you see in the trailer on the website, and she she has a very large role in the documentary film. And uh, Heather's daily life is dominated by her experiences with sleep paralysis and supernatural assault. And... uh, when you hear her speaking about her experiences, you feel very badly for her. Um, she's a wonderful person. She's very productive. But uh, she can't go to sleep at night, ever, without being extremely afraid that she's going to be attacked as soon as she gets to, gets to sleep. 
And can she you have can, to have someone come with her? When she was a child, she would uh, get her little brother to just sort of protect her when she would fall asleep. And uh, this doesn't stop. And, now, that's a pretty extreme case. But Andrew, can you yeah. can you describe what some of the attacks are? What what she's what she's uh, relayed to you folks? Yeah, a typical sleep paralysis experience with a frightening presence uh, would consist of uh, suddenly finding yourself wide awake. There's no transition from sleep to awake. And uh, immediately upon waking, you have a sense that you're not alone. And in your room or coming to your room, and it intends to do you harm, and there is no question in your mind that this is true. And uh, no matter what language you speak and what culture you come from, that's the way you will describe it. And as this progresses, a door will open. Sliding footstep sounds will come down the hallway. Um, little creepy sounds will be heard, almost like breath or voices. The door will open, and uh, in some cases you see nothing. In some cases you see a form come into the room. It's dark, and it's short and squat. And uh, Dr. Uh, David Hufford's description uh, in the film is extremely poignant uh, on this. And the creature will come into the room, either hover over you or climb onto your bed, and you'll feel your bed sink down. And the creature will climb up and sit on your chest, and seemed and while threatening you seem to suck all of your energy out of you until your fear increases exponentially and you figure out a way to make it stop and there are ways to make it stop uh, which if we get to it during this radio show will be really great because the way that people make it stop from one culture to the next if they think of it is they invoke whatever they consider to be their God, in prayer, however it is, and I know a lot of your listeners now are saying, that's exactly what happens to me. And as soon as that happens, it generally stops. And when it stops, you may feel worn out, but it's completely over, and there's nothing in the room. Well, we definitely want to get into some of those, uh, Colin, and just share your experience and, and talk with Paul and Andrew and, and Jeff and myself about what you might have experienced at night in your dreams and your nightmares in that sleep paralysis state. You can give us a call, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500, or by email, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com. And you were mentioning, you know, this, this shadowy figure that would come in, and it's not just always a humanoid type figure and uh, we got an email here uh, from Christina and she was wondering about the idea of phantom spiders she says this is something that she's experienced uh, when she's in the process of falling asleep she'd always see you know these these phantom spiders in her room to the point where she would actually find herself up out of bed on the other side of the room turning on the light but then she was asleep when she was doing it she was actually trying to combat it almost in her sleep We've heard of phantom dogs, phantom cats. Whenever we talk about these these shadow people, there's the, the shadow animal, shadow insects as well. Is that something that, is it always a humanoid form in the research you've done, or do you experience, um, have other people experienced these spiders or, or various other sinister creatures? I'm going to turn that over to Paul. <laughs> well, people, most of the people we spoke to either saw a 
shadowy human form, a humanoid form, um, or a, a shadowy, almost like a cloud or a mist that used to envelop them. It used to come down on them like a mist. But the shadow, it's interesting, you know, the shadow form for me, the humanoid shadow form is an interesting topic, and I'm going to brush on this briefly because it's quite interesting. If you go back in some ancient cultures, and especially the Islamic culture belief system, um, they speak of a race of beings, shadow, shadow men, a shadowy race of beings that inhabit the world, where this world, and they call them the jinn, mm-hmm. or the jinn, right. and they speak of these um, beings that coexist with us, and we can't see them, but they can see us, and they live in our world now. If you know all about the visible light spectrum or the visible spectrum of light that we can see, which is very narrow compared to the whole light spectrum that exists from X-ray to infrared and far infrared, well, to explain to the listeners what I'm talking about, if you held up a one-meter-long ruler in front of you and the number one on the left-hand side of the ruler represented the X-ray light spectrum, and then you went all the way to the far right of the ruler, and that represents the infrared. If you go to the 50 um, centimeter mark, which is dead center, that is probably all we can see in the whole light spectrum. We are practically blind. So if anything was to coexist with us in our world and exist on a light frequency that we couldn't perceive, we would never know it was there. Exactly. But well, if that creature or entity or non-material spirit stood in front of us, it wouldn't would appear jet black like a solid silhouette because it would block out the light that we could see and reflect light that we couldn't see. So it would appear as a black shadow. And that's typically what people have been seeing worldwide for thousands of years of this report you know, of shadow-like creatures that exist on this world. Sure. Well, we have a call on the line. We've got about four minutes before the news, so let's try to take this call and that time. Good evening. Excellent. You're on Spooky South Coast with Paul and Andrew. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good. How are you doing? Hi, uh, good evening. I, I, I would actually like to exper- uh, share an experience that happened to me approximately 20 years ago uh, with sleep paralysis. I was actually living in Kansas City, and... Uh, there was this figure about seven foot tall, and I was awake yet unable to move. And it was just—it was really freaky. And I still remember that. Uh, remember this uh, incident to the day, like it happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, it was about seven foot tall, and I just started saying the Lord's prayer, and it—it uh, it turned around and left. Twenty years ago. What do you remember. think about that? What do you think that was? Uh, I, I I sensed I sensed I sensed an evil presence. I really did, uh, but I could not scream. I tried to scream, and, I, and I, nothing would come out. Uh, I tried to call my uh, my uh, brother in the, in the room next door, and I just nothing, nothing would come out. But it did feel evil. It felt very evil, and, uh, and that's well, generally I just, I, what people um, report. I mean, they, they, they report that they feel threatened. The shadowy form is evil. It's never been reported as good. So we, you know, we don't know what to make of of its intention. 
But what we do know is that people have just felt utter fear and dread from this creature, whatever it may be. Yeah, and it was about six foot ten. I was very tall. I just, I just, I, but uh, I still remember that to this day. And, and well, I appreciate you taking my call there. Yeah, You're thank welcome. You. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for calling. Thank, right, you. thank you. Thank you for sharing too. All right. Well, I mean, but that's you know the similar reports to that as you guys must have heard it. It always seems to be you know either extremely tall or extremely small in some of these shadowy humanoid figures that are seen. In our film, uh, Dr. David Hufford, who wrote the book The Terror That Comes in the Night, uh, makes a, an excellent description of the size of this. It's it's generally small, but sometimes it's large or very large, and he says. But it's never gigantic. It's never 20 or 30 feet tall. And uh, it's usually not over 7 feet, which is it's, it's really uncanny that your collar uh, really pegged it at about 7 feet. That's very consistent. Well, keep in mind, we most of us only have about 8-foot ceilings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, you kind of have to have that scale perspective. We don't want them to bump their head. Right, yeah. 30-footer, you just see their knees and wouldn't even yeah. know what to think of it. All right, well, we are coming up on the news break. And then on the other side, guys, we're going to talk with Patrick Burns for a few minutes uh, about an upcoming conference he has. But then after that, we want to bring you back uh, for another segment where we can actually get into more of, you know, how to protect yourself from these figures, as you were saying before, uh, how to try to hopefully break that paralysis. And also we'll take people's calls and we'll try to interpret what it is that might be happening to them as well. And if you would like to check out the documentary, you can go to Soul Smack. Dot com and it's linked up right on the front page of SpookySouthCoast.com. And uh, when you get to that site, you can order the DVD right there. You can also check out the trailer for it. And it's also it's a, a good resource to go to talk with others that are experiencing this. And, and to and I know you guys are going to have articles and, and everything up there for people to constantly keep going back, checking out, keeping up to date on the research, and also to be able to, to keep up with some of your upcoming projects as well. So uh, we'll be back in the second hour with Paul and Andrew and more about your worst nightmare, Super natural assault uh, but right now we've got to take a break for the news so stick around and be back with us in just a little bit here on spooky south coast do you know what that music means Ooh, we're stuck in an elevator no <laughs> wrong spooky south coast is back i'm not afraid Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa. And Jeff Belanger is here co-hosting with us. Hey. And, and you know, Jeff, we were having a great discussion about nightmares and about supernatural assaults at night. And we'll get back into that in a little bit with the guys from Soul Smack. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, but first we want to talk to our, our friend, Patrick Burns, who uh, is from True TV's Haunting Evidence uh, TV show. And uh, also a, a, uh, a speaker extraordinaire when it comes to the paranormal, doing his ghost doc, and that's uh, G H 
ostock.com, gostock.com. He's having a great event up in Salem, and we thought we'd have him on to uh, to talk about it. Patrick, are you there? Good evening. How you doing? Oh, hey, Patrick. Patrick, tell us about Salem. Oh boy, you know, I wish I could. I have, I have actually, I have never been there. <laughs> no, I'm so. sorry <laughs> about your event in Salem. We'll fill in oh, all the. Oh, tell you about Salem. About well, yeah, yeah, we can tell you about Salem. Yeah, we can tell you about Salem. <laughs> We've got stories. I'm, We're in I'm Massachusetts. Looking forward to Salem. I'm looking forward to learning all about it. Yeah, no, uh, it's a great town and a great venue for for these kinds of things because the and you're at the Hawthorne Hotel, which is for folks who know Salem. It's right downtown. You can walk to everywhere from there. You don't need you don't need a car. You don't need public transportation. Yeah. You can walk it. Uh, you could be up on. You could be you know House of Seven Gables, all within minutes of, of walking from the very haunted Hawthorne Hotel. Beautiful too. Um, and so you're having ghost talk. So who, who's going to be coming to this? Uh, well, first off, our, our keynote speech will be delivered by uh, Mr. John Zaffis, a uh, guy who needs uh, no introduction. Um, Absolutely. Great. Yeah. Godfather of the paranormal. Uh, Chris Fleming from Biography, Anal- Biography Channels, Dead Famous. Um, we have Fiona Broom, uh, who is a, uh, a resident psychic uh, in the New England area. Right. She's actually been assisting me uh, a great deal with uh, um, organizing the event, and I just wanted to, to thank her for all of her hard effort so far. Uh, we've got Dave Schrader, my buddy Dave Schrader from uh, Darkness Radio. Right. It's on the Edge of Town Radio. Um, Marley Gibson, my good friend, uh, is actually going to be doing her book launch there. She's writing some uh, an, an, an adult fiction series called The Ghost Huntress, um, and uh, book one is, is being uh, released this spring, so she'll be doing her uh, launch party at the event on Thursday night. Very cool. Uh, uh, some uh, uh, the other guests uh, got Bill, Bill Chapel, who is the inventor of the Ovilus and the Paranormal Puck, and a heck of a um, sweet guy, by the way. He really is. If he you really just, is. You know, if you meet Bill, just sit down and talk with him a while. He's just a great guy. Definitely, definitely. I mean, he's very techy, but uh, you know, he doesn't. Uh, you know, he explains stuff in a, a pretty pretty good way that you know. If I get it, anybody can get it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's my Absolutely. that's my benchmark. If you can make me understand it, anybody. Will. <laughs> Yeah, no, so it's uh, it's April 16th to the 19th, 2009. April 16th through the 19th, absolutely. Yep, G-H-O-S-T-O-C-K.com, yep. G-H-O-S-T-O-C-K right? That's it. Excellent. Yeah, no, it, it should be a great event. And, you know, these conferences for, for people that, that, you know, don't know, I mean, we're here in Massachusetts, so and it's one of those places that everybody knows about. Um, those of us in the region know to avoid Salem in October. <laughs> oh yeah, we, we know that. We know not to go there because it's too crowded. And, and you know, it, it was really funny. I got an email from somebody who who uh, was disappointed because it was such short notice for her, uh, the, or just two months away. Uh, she said, "Why can't you host it there in October?" No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I said uh, because uh, it, the whole city is basically taken over already. Yeah, <laughs> there's, you know, there's like one road in and one road out too. So that's it. it Salem's that's it, exactly. Salem's a great party. By all means, go there in October if you want to be in a total mob scene. But if you go there in <laughs> April, it's beautiful. It's a seaport town. You're north of Boston. You'll have full access to all the sites and all the different right. museums. And you, you'll you're, you'll be just before the tourist season, so you'll actually get to see everything. And and there's some great, you know, the, the witches are there, and it's it's uh, it's just an amazing town to go to. Uh, and you know, being New England, you know, the spring is a great time, and, and it's uh, it should be a great event. And these these events are so much fun because you go there, you get to meet other people who are interested in the same weird stuff you're interested in. You get to network, you get to listen to some great 
speeches and lectures and, and get your hands dirty and do some investigating. Now, Patrick, in the years past, you've always done these in Savannah, right? Yeah, um, historically they, they have been. Uh, we did we did the first six in Savannah and more or less did it twice a year. Um, and uh, decided to just just kind of mix things up a little bit. Take it take it uh, take the show on the road. Uh, a lot of people had been asking me for years, when are you guys going to do something in Salem? And I finally said to myself about a year ago, yeah, when are we? And uh, basically started laying the groundwork to. Uh, to uh, the event to Salem uh, about a year ago, and uh, finalized my decision to do that this this past fall. Um, and like I said, I'm I'm uh, I'm 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 a stranger in a strange land. You know, go, going there, I, I do have to confess I have not been to Salem before, but I have a fantastic network of people who are local to the area, like you, Jeff, that have been putting me in touch with with key people uh, that uh, you know I really need to uh, to help help make this happen and. Uh, the outpouring of support that I've I've had so far from you guys has just been tremendous. Yeah, no, it'll I be. Can't f- thank you enough. You'll no. definitely be welcome up here. Yeah, no, it'll be it'll be it's a great town, and the witch culture is so much fun. And I know you've got Christian Day speaking. I can see him on your website there, and yes. and and Chris, Christian is is such a he's not just a great resource. He's just he's so much fun to be around, and and he'll tell it he'll tell you like it is uh, about some of the the witches up there, and and, and as Christian will say, uh, you know. Um, Witchcraft doesn't have a, a Bethlehem, you know. It, it's Salem. It, it's Salem mm-hmm. by default. The world over, the world knows Absolutely. Salem. And 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 you, I mean, you, you you go through town. There's streets called Cauldron Court and Witch Way, and, <laughs> and, and you what? know, Which Way, it, Which Way. You know, the police cars have got witches riding broomsticks on the door That's and on awesome. the patches. I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Well, you I know, mean, you, hope, you, you hopefully you don't see that, Patrick, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I you know, the stickers on the cop cars, Jeff. <laughs> you know, but the you uh, know, <laughs> the jails. Isn't it ironic are... how it, it, it's it's been a 100 complete 180 degree turn. You know, from them being persecuted, now they're celebrated, and even the police have got their back. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, they well, really turned turned a, a bad situation into uh, a, a prosperous one for them. Well, we we thank you, Patrick, for bringing this event here to Massachusetts. Because believe it or not, for the number of noted researchers and authors that we have living in the New England area, uh, we don't get a lot of these conferences our way. They're always in other I, locations and other places. I, do not understand that. I do not understand that. I've I've, I've always been intrigued with with uh, the New England area every time I've been there, and I, I've, I'm always there. And I, I wish that I could stay longer because you know that's where, that's the area where the country was founded. I mean that's that's those are our roots right there. And I'll even history. I'll, uh, the paranormal community in this area is more open and welcoming to others than it is in other parts of the country, just because you know we we are so. Still trying to overcome our Puritan ethic here, <laughs> so, yeah. but we are we we do try to work together with everybody. So it's just amazing to me that we can't get more of these cooperative events where you get to see a number of different lecturers, a number of different speakers, and researchers all come together. Well, you know, I I look forward to to bringing the event there uh, again. I have no doubt that uh, the event in April uh, will be a smashing success as it has been uh, for the first six. You know, if, if people weren't weren't coming up to me and thanking me for for doing it i would have stopped a long time ago but i've done six of these so far this will be number seven um you know i have a pretty good beat on 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 how things work and how it all falls together so uh we put on a a nice event and and one thing i did want to stress is that it is a smaller event um you know you go to some paranormal conferences and there are 250 300 or more people and uh ghost doc we've typically um seen anywhere from about 100 to 120 attendees We, we I, uh, I've, you know, the, the, the event has always been more of a smaller 
more intimate events. So there's a lot more chance for people to network and, and talk one-on-one with the guest speakers uh, in, a, in a smaller environment like then. Excellent. And uh, if we've got time, I wanted to mention one last thing. Sure. Even if people can't make it in person, uh, in 2005 we streamed, uh, to the best of my knowledge, the very first paranormal conference at Ghost Stock One. Uh, we offered on the website and streaming video for free, and uh, we've we've done that for all six ghost stocks, and uh, I, I intend to continue that tradition in April. So even if people can't make it in person, uh, they can at least participate in a virtual sense. We have a chat room. They can ask questions of our guests and uh, participate in, uh, uh, in an interactive way uh, across the web. Very good. Well, Patrick, thanks for, for stopping in and talking about Ghost Stock. It's uh, April 16th to 19th, 2009 in Salem, Massachusetts at the Hawthorne Hotel, ghoststock.com. And uh sounds like Patrick's going to be coming up on Spooky South Coast again real soon. Yeah, next Saturday night we're going to have him back to talk even more about awesome. it and, and talk about some more of uh, his investigations into the paranormal. All right. Thank you, Patrick. Have a great night. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. All right, take it easy. Bye. All right, well, we have a call on the line, so let's take this call real quick before we go to a break, and then we'll get back with Paul Tate and Andrew Barnes of Soul Smack. Uh, good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Uh, we're spooktacular, as we say. Uh, yeah, I hear that. Uh, this is Ron over in Lakeville. How you doing, Ron? I'm doing great. Listen, um, I had some incidents go on, and I, I was reading on your website that you have some people on there about um, sleep paralyzing or something like that sure would you like to speak with them because we're actually going to get them back on in a few minutes uh yeah i got a couple of very interesting things one's that one that actually just happened about three weeks ago here in this house and the other one okay. um, was in the other house well we're gonna we're gonna be bringing them back on and uh in the bottom half of the hour we'll start taking calls too so if you want to speak with them give us a call back then sounds great thanks ron thank you bye-bye All right. All right, so we will take a break. When we come back, we will get Paul Tate and Andrew Barnes back on the line. They are the group known as Soul Smack. They've got their new documentary out, uh, Your Worst Nightmare, Supernatural Assault. You can get that on their website, soulsmack.com, and uh, we'll talk with them some more about the paranormal in terms of sleep, and uh, we'll also take your calls at 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500, and, and Jeff and the guys from Soul Smack, they can even help you out with a little dream interpretation if there's something going on that you just can't understand. I've got a whopper for you. Go ahead. All right. I, I, I had a nap earlier this afternoon. Right. And for some reason, Cher was in my dream. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she was holding up some sort of, it looked like a, a, a map of the world, like a Stratego board where you've got all these planned out battles. What does that have to do with anything? Cher helping me plot. I got it. I got it. Number one, you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> and number two, you want to spread your lifestyle throughout the world. There we go. Done and done. Anyone else call in? We'll Not be glad entirely to, uh, accurate. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's a doozy, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna chew on that one. And, uh, okay, I have no idea why Cher was in my, she's never been in any of my dreams before. <laughs> Nothing wrong with being gay. Well, just saying. I'm, I'm not, though. I mean, I'm, no, no. There definitely isn't. Hey, it's great that you came out here on the air. On Valentine's Day, no on less. On Valentine's Day, super. Uh, my wife is probably pretty shocked. <laughs> Sorry, honey. Oh, uh, just, I knew you were, I knew you were only giving it half an effort. Alright, we'll be back with more in just a minute here on Spooky South Coast. Beaming from the studios of AM 1420 WBSF into the night and beyond. Here's more of Spooky South Coast. 
was burning in my room like an oven. What? Huh? What? Dude, best we're going to freestyle. The best part about this song, are you familiar with Nightmare? <laughs> DJ Jazzy Jeff Belanger and the Fresh Prince? Uh, you know, uh, sadly, yes, I am. <laughs> Have you ever, if you actually play it, like, and you slow down uh, the vo- or speed up the voice at the very end, the Freddy Krueger voice, you can actually tell that it's Jeff? <laughs> it, it, it kind of. It, I accidentally my tape player was got it stuck. Robert England. <laughs> no, no, my tape player got stuck one day, and it was kind of caught up, and it was doing it, and I was like, "Oh man, you just ruined that song for me." You know what's great about Nightmare on Elm Street is it, just that's. Uh, you have to look at the genius of the premise of that movie mm-hmm. because here's a monster who attacks you when you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. And you can't not sleep. You can only not sleep so long. Eventually, you're going to collapse. And you see, yeah, you see them falling and, asleep in school. And, and I'll admit, I had dreams about Freddy Krueger after seeing some of those movies. And you wake up going, oh, man, am I in trouble? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Am I going to die now? Great premise for a movie. And well it, done. It really, and, you know, and, and every one of them worked. I, I was never, never disappointed in a Freddy sequel. Uh, except when uh, he fought Jason. I, I, I had my money. That was, that was fun. That was, that was just fun. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, let's get back into the discussion with Paul Tate and Andrew Barnes of Soul Smack, and they produced this new documentary, Your Worst Nightmare: Supernatural Assault. And definitely check it out by going to their website, soulsmack.com. You can pick it up there. You can watch the trailer. And uh, and guys, how much is the DVD? It's it's pretty pretty affordable for people that want to uh, research this topic a little bit more. We put the DVD on the website for nine dollars and ninety five cents. That is beautiful. As an independent web release. Excellent. And what what's kind of the association with that when you're trying to put something out independently? I mean, you have a lot more control over the product, um, but how how do you keep yourselves in check of knowing, you know, how deep you want to go into this paranormal side of things? Because we've seen a number of paranormal documentaries come out that you know they're supposedly hardcore investigations into something, but they they really just fluff along the general premise of things. I mean, were you? intent when you started doing this to make sure that you went that you talked to a you know different professors from harvard and other universities and that you talked to a number of people that have these experiences but at what point do you do you say i know are we going a little bit too deep into this for the for the casual viewer uh, that's a great question you know we we decided we had hit pay dirt when uh, uh several members of the production team started having sleep paralysis experiences of supernatural assault themselves. We thought we had done a good job of getting right to the heart of the matter. Or at the very least, you were creating enough experiences for the sequel. <laughs> well, actually, we, you know, what Andrew just said there is, is, is really true. I myself um, suffered sleep paralysis when I was in my twen- early 20s. And the very first time it happened to me, I had absolutely no clue what sleep paralysis was, never knew it ever existed. And when you don't know this, it scares the life out of you. Mm-hmm. And um, I was convinced that something had, had come into my room and pressed me into the bed, paralyzing me. I think that I heard something whispering around my head that I, I couldn't turn to look at and I was convinced something was on top of me. I had it again, um, and it was such a coincidence, but it could have been just the fact that we were we were right in the heart of this documentary, you know. We, we had been doing late night editing tape and interviewing people, and I actually had a sleep paralysis experience, which turned, it was actually an out-of-body experience first that turned into a sleep paralysis Experience, and if you want me to explain a bit about it, I will. But um, sure. Okay. Well, what happened was, I woke up 
one morning, it was about eight o'clock, and I'd been napping. I'd been, I usually get up about seven-ish, but I'd been sort of waking up and going to sleep. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I woke up and I was walking down the hallway of my house, and I, I suddenly realized I did not remember getting up out of bed. That, you know, I just don't remember the point I, I got up out of my bed and, and left the room. At the point I had that realization, I felt this tremendous vacuum, like I was being sucked backwards, and it was such a strange feeling. And then I remember going into my, like being sucked back, and next thing I was hovering over my body, and then I saw myself there, laying in the bed, face down. I always sleep face down, and it's strange that I have sleep paralysis, because you normally have it when you lay on your back. But I was slammed back into my body, and then at that point, it was a seamless join from me seeing myself laying in the bed to me being in the bed with my eyes open, awake, unable to move. And it was almost the feeling I can describe it was, have you ever slept on your arm and you wake up and your arm is totally dead? Oh, sure. Well, that's what my whole body felt like. I couldn't move a part, any part of it. And um, it was strange, but it did subside after, you know, probably it felt like 10 seconds maximum. It subsided, and I was able to get up and move around, and I picked up the phone, which was next to me, and I called Andrew, and I said, you won't believe what just happened to me. So he, he told me to go get a, get a camera, switch it on, and record what just happened, and I did that that morning. Well, having had experiences, you know, how did you go about screening uh, the people that you speak with in the documentary? Did you, did you put a call out for people that have had these experiences, or did you kind of find them through uh, some of the academics that you were working with? Well... Yes to part two, and, and, and you know, the, the original way we found people, we actually started off word of mouth. I mean, I had had it, and I had spoken to a few people who had had it, and they were coming out of the woodwork. It was like an epidemic. I mean, it was unreal. And then we found people through some of the researchers that we tracked down, some of the um, university professors that we interviewed. They brought us a lot of people. And then we went down on the street. You know, we, we took the cameras out on the street and we done random stock checks with people and said to them, have you ever woken up in the night unable to move? And, you know, and you would be, it was shocking what we found out. We, we, we found more than one in five had had it on our street survey. That's, that's also in the, um, on the documentary on one of the menu selections. You can see that. But it, it goes to show how many people have had this. It's just shocking. And and so many of these reports that we hear, you know, uh, yes, you can explain a number of these away. Uh, you you can experience things that happen to you in your sleep that can be, you know, just the built-up tension of the day. And, you know, we, we've all done our own little self-analyzation of our dreams or our experience of whatever happened. But as you were saying uh, earlier in the first hour, there definitely is, though, a paranormal phenomena happening in concurrence with a lot of these where there is this entity. Too many people are reporting this for there not to be something. I mean, old cultures, they had their, their demons that would uh, attack you during sleep. And sure. The incubus, we, the succubus. Yeah. I mean, th- th- that, that concept goes back centuries. It is. And, 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 and interestingly, you bring that up because we interviewed a girl and, and she didn't want her face to appear on the DVD, so we blacked her out. We, we done a, a, a shadow effect. Mm-hmm. And um, we inter- interviewed her, and she had actually suffered this attack, this sexual type of attack. And she didn't know what it was. And um, we obviously we, we did inform her and, and helped her um, to cope with this. But she 
had a shocking story where she was being attacked night reformed that was you know doing ungodly things to her and um it 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 really messed up her life it really changed everything about the way she goes to sleep at night that brings, uh, that brings up a, a, a great point about the experience of doing this movie, and I think uh, people ought to do more work in film uh, based on their ideas. The, uh, we managed to get interview qualities that uh, are very intimate and bring experiences of victims. Uh, they seem to jump right off the screen into your living room and talk from their head. After speaking for the first time, about their experience, they simply felt better. Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's something in the sharing of it of you know of an experience like that, whether it's you know, gosh, in a internet forum, on a radio show, in a personal interview. Once you get it out there, especially when you've got a sympathetic ear, it helps so much. And one of the things that I've suggested to people who are dealing with nightmares and especially recurring dreams, even if they're not scary, keep a dream journal. You know, there's something about writing this stuff down that helps you get a sense of control over something that can seem out of control and, and not controllable. And so dream journals, uh, like you had mentioned earlier, prayer, um, you know, certainly helps if that's part of your belief system. Or even I, I remember talking to someone who was dealing with an old, you know, typical old hag syndrome, and uh, he was Asian, and he said in his culture he was told you have to fight it. If you don't fight it, you know, it, 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 it could get you. And, and, and it could get you and could mean bad luck. It could mean all, all, all sorts of bad omens, but you have to fight. And, and it's empowering. You have to say, I'm not going to be a victim. Think about the sleep state. It's the most prone state we're in. You're, you're, unco- you're unconscious. That and urinating in a urinal. <laughs> Can I just jump in right. here? Yeah. When you sleep, you are not unconscious. And I'll tell you why. Do you remember your dreams? Sometimes. Do you remember some of your dreams? And it's impossible to have a memory if you're unconscious. Because when you have an operation, they will inject you with a sleep drug. When you wake up after that operation, there is no recollection of what happened. But when you dream, you can remember those dreams. So when you dream, you are fully conscious. Right. Well, I mean, uh, I think most of us forget most of our dreams you might remember a few of them you yeah. cer- you certainly remember the, the the powerful profound frightening I ones. think a lot of that though has to do with the fact that um, at least from what I've read about dreams and in, in in my own research and certainly uh, both Jeff and and Paul and Andrew have done way more research than I have but there's even though we kind of think we follow one storyline through the course of a dream one almost kind of a plot there's actually such a bombardment of images that we're only able to focus on certain aspects of it. So we're only pulling out what we can remember in a linear, almost like a linear fashion. Oh, yeah. sure. I mean, you know, and, but to me, what's interesting about nightmares specifically is that those are the ones that you can remember years later. I mean, we all have quirky dreams. You wake up and you go, what was that about? And by yeah. breakfast time, you've probably and forgotten it. Nightmares are also the most likely to recur as well, more, what? way more likely than you know the nice dream where you won the lottery. I, I'm of the belief that a dream is, is your, yourself communicating with yourself, and it's important to pay attention. And a nightmare is a more important message than a mundane dream. And a recurring nightmare is a very important message. Mm-hmm. And and maybe maybe there's outside influences that, that are, uh, you know, if you're in this prone state, if if uh, if you know some cultures believe that your your spirit is a little bit loose from your body and can get out, um, you know, and travel out of body experiences, astral projection, things like that, maybe communication, maybe the the some some otherworldly you know entities can exert state, which could be the old hag, could be you know a simple visitation dream, 
or you know something something more powerful. I mean, guys, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's interesting you say that because the dream state is important, and the reason I, I jumped in, I didn't mean to, you know, cut you off or rudely interrupt. But no, no, go right. Ahead. Oh, it's more but, fun that way. Yeah, the reason I, I, I brought that up is it's quite interesting you bring up that um, whole connection to the dream possibly being a, another way for us to communicate with otherworldly spirits or, or shadow or, or entities. And that, that, that's something that I firmly believe in. I, I believe that, you know, when we, when we go to sleep, our brain obviously starts to vibrate at a different frequency mm-hmm. range or frequency rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's at these different frequency rates that um, people can perceive. Um, a lot of people, they, they, they practice um, hemisync technology or binaural beat technology. And they use that to lower their brain's vibrational frequency. So it allows them to enter into this meditative state, this state of enlightenment, this state where they can, they can supposedly astral project or, or spirits that exist on other planes, dimensions, whatever you want to call it. So what if when you're in, and, and this goes into the, um, the area of the brain, which is known as the pineal gland. A, a lot of people have known about this. It's called the third eye for many. And, um, you know, this is supposed to be the gateway to the other dimensions, the other, ex- the other side. And um, when we go into our sleep rate or our, our sleep vibrational um, phase, we could possibly be communicating with, you know, entities that could exist on other frequencies. We could perceive them. So what if when we're sleeping and we, we have these paralysis attacks, or, or these, these these terror attacks and see these entities. What if we are actually seeing those for real? What if that's how we're able to do it by by our brains being in this vibrational state? We wake up, our bodies are paralyzed, but we are still in that vibrational state. So for a brief moment, we're able to see what's in front of us. I mean, but we hear so many stories of people that have positive dreams where they're visited by the spirit of a deceased loved one. That's happened to me. I've, I've heard many other occurrences where that's happened to people. And if we can buy into that, if we can believe that dreams put us in a state where we can contact you know, the good spirits, and it's only natural that the bad spirits are going to be able to get a hold of us as well. Exactly. And more interesting for a documentary film. Way more interesting. Yeah, Nobody wants the good to do spirits, a film about totally boring. Totally <laughs> boring. <laughs> right, Those well, three experiences, would watch that. Uh, the experiences of sleep paralysis, uh, with a supernatural presence, um, the uh, out-of-body experience and the, the bereavement experiences are all three experiences and the only three experiences known which uh, science has been unable to explain. Interesting. Very interesting. That's, that's one of the reasons why we're on you know, your show, because the evidence... The overwhelming—I mean, one in five people experience sleep paralysis with a super with supernatural assault during it. One in five people across the world, unless it's in a population that has a very, very elevated level of of uh, stress, post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. uh, disorder, and all of these people are saying that the same thing happened to them. And it basically says that they prove that this is not a non-material, real being, something that actually defies the laws of physics that people see all the time. 
completely normal human experience contacting something that defies the laws of physics. That is something that no one has been able to give an answer to. Oh, we have a call on the line. If you'd like to call in and join in the discussion, give us a buzz at 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500, or you can also email us, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com. And just as an aside, we we also got an email from somebody who said that they do experience a shadow person uh, when they're in this state that's actually had a positive uh, effect on them. So there are, there are some... You know, I guess entities that aren't all evil, but it just seems like the the negative ones seem to be the more prevalent. So, all right, let's take this call here. Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, is this Tim? Yes. Hi, Tim. This is Ron over in Lakeville calling Hi, back. How you doing? I'm doing good. All right, when you're on with Andrew and Paul of Soul Smack. Hi, Ron. How you doing, Ron? I'm doing great, thank you. Um, this is actually the you know I've been wondering about these experiences that I've, I've been having. And um, this is actually the first I've heard of um, sleep paralysis, but it definitely pertains to the, the experiences that I've had. Um, as I said, I live over here in Lakeville, and um, we can start with the first one. Was um, I was living in a, in a little cottage over in the woods here in Lakeville, and um, my lady friend would come up here from another state, and she'd spend time, a few months, and then she'd go back. But at any rate, um, one night I woke up and, and she was um, choking and um, spitting out water. It wasn't like bile. Like a stream or, of water? It was water. It was The bed was wet and everything. And I, I, I woke her up and, and I got her all calmed down and everything, and we went back to sleep and everything was fine. The next night... Um, did, did she remember any of that? Yeah, oh yeah, she remembered it very clearly. Did she remember Very clearly. What, I mean, did, was anything happening to her? Did she describe anything or just... She was being drowned. Oh. Huh. Um, the next night, I wake up and she's... <clears throat> now, the bed was against the wall, one side, and, and she would sleep on that side of the bed. And I woke up the next night, and this is like three... This is three nights in a row this happened. I woke up the next night, and she's on her knees, and her hands are on the wall up over her head. The back of her shirt is pulled up, like covering the back of her head, and she's being thrown off the wall. Wow. So I, I reached yeah. over, and I pulled her off the wall, and I got her down, and I got her calmed down again. I said, I don't know what is going on here, because this is, this is when all this, this stuff really started happening for me, uh, Tim. Mm-hmm. And... That's so I got her all calm. I got her all calmed down and everything, and, and we went back to bed, and everything was fine. But she had no. She didn't remember the process of actually getting up. She kind of just like woke no. up with that happening to her. On her knees, she actually had. Um, she actually had bruises on her forehead from where she was being thrown into the wall, and I witnessed her shirt, like like if you grab somebody by the back of a shirt and you're holding them up. Sure. Yeah. And so the next night. Um, we go to bed, it, it's, uh, we're sleeping, and I, I just knew something was up, so I woke up, and she's in a panic, and she's still sleeping, and she's, she's just in a panic, and she, her breathing is stopping. So I grabbed her, and I shook her, and, and I, after about 15 minutes, I got her to wake up, and she, was, she said that she was being sucked down a whirlpool 
or, uh, and it was like she couldn't get out. Every time she would, she would try to get out, she would be drawn in deeper and deeper and deeper. So I says, all right, all right. I moved her to my side of the bed, and I jumped over her, and I got on her side of the bed. No sooner did I close my eyes that I was sucked right down in that whirlpool again. I mean, for the first time. The same thing that she had just described, I was being sucked into it. I woke up automatically because I was not in a deep sleep. I was well, able to Ron, follow... Yeah. Ron, there are, two, there are two things that are similar to your experience and the research that we did. Um, and uh, I, I can tell you've got more in your experience. But uh, the two things that coincide with what we, we found in our research was, one... Uh, several people suggested that they had more rates of attacks, higher rate of attacks, um, in association with a certain place, um, their uncle's house, a room off the main house. So uh, there is something to do with place that seems to uh, seems to cause a lot of a uh, lot of activity, and uh, and the the. Uh, well, I'll let you tell the rest of your story, but there's one other other point we can bring up as well. Okay. Um, so the the time had gone by, and, and October had come around, and, and that's when she left, and, and she goes back for the winter because she doesn't do the winter months very well. And um, now I'm I'm sleeping there alone, and this is probably like two or three three nights later after she's gone, and open <clears throat> I can feel them darting around in my head I'm pinned on the bed uh, I am being sexually assaulted my my whole body is is just like um, electrified it was absolutely insane and it, it went on and on and on for about say 10 or 15 minutes and then all of a sudden uh, when I when I, I went to wake up it was I was all of a sudden just sitting up in the bed, and it was like, ugh, and I was literally covered with sweat. Wow. Yeah. That was, um, that was surely really traumatic. Uh, it, doesn't sound like, uh, it doesn't sound like a sleep paralysis experience, but um, because of the fact uh, that, uh, that the, your girlfriend uh, was actually, she, was, she didn't appear to be awake, but... Um, we did have one story out of uh, David Hufford's book in, where, in which uh, a young man was a he was a cyclocross he was a motorcycle um, a, a dirt bike racer he was a very rugged guy and uh, he got so sick of having these sleep paralysis experiences um, and feeling threatened that he decided to take matters in the next time it happened he said he was going to tell this creature to bring it on. Go ahead, show me how tough you are, because I bet you're not as tough as me. And uh, he was uh, thrown around his room so violently that uh, in the morning his roommate, who slept downstairs, uh, actually said, "Man, what were you what were you doing in the middle of the night? I mean, were you rearranging the furniture in your room." And he says, "You wouldn't believe what happened to me." And, and uh, he gave up too. He said, "Okay, I've had enough." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, right. Ron, we thank you for calling in and sharing your experiences with us. I just have one more thing to say. Okay, quickly. We're running, okay. running short on time. so. All right, this house here, one night I'm in bed, I'm laying there, my eyes open, I can't move, 
I hear two voices telling me that some that he wants to talk to you. I can't move my arms, I can't move my legs, and all of a sudden this raspy, angry voice says, I don't like what you've been doing, and you had better stop it. And then all of a sudden, they let go of me, and I, and I woke up. Hmm. Yeah, no, frightening stuff. You know, kind of thing, keep a journal. Keep a journal of when these things happen. Um, you know, look for patterns. Uh, and, I, and I really believe that in, in journaling, sometimes it really does give us uh, some sense of control, uh, even if we're just, you know, monitoring our own human experiences like that. But but powerful stuff. Ron, thanks for sharing Thank your you stories. Thank you very much. Thank All you. Right. Take care. Thanks. Have Take a good care. night. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. I mean, and one thing that you you were talking about earlier was the ability to be able to uh, combat these these entities that attack us in our sleep. And I know that you mentioned prayer works for a number of people. I mean, have, have the people that you've discussed this with, have they given you like their own kind of, you know, I have this certain ritual that I do that keeps this from happening, or I have a, a certain, you know, checklist I go through when it is happening to see what I can use to combat them. I mean, is there a way to prevent it from the start, or is there only really a way to fight it, you know, once it's happening? Uh, it was really really great to share the information uh, with the people who interviewed for our film because a large number of them really didn't have a strategy to get over this. And uh, as, after uh, discussing some of the common ways to prevent it and ways to end it, they had sleep paralysis and they had these attacks much less often and uh, they were less traumatized by them. There are several. We made sure we detailed them very closely in the movie uh, some of those things that you can do are to, for example, don't sleep on your back. Uh, it doesn't always happen on your back, but it's very common right. uh, when you're sleeping on your back. Get enough sleep. Find a way to fully sleep so that you're not constantly uh, blurring the, uh, the distinction between being asleep and being awake. Also, if, if uh, sleep paralysis does happen, uh, don't go right back to sleep. Get up. Get fully awake, and then go through a natural transition into sleep. Maybe, uh, as Dr. Hufford says, uh, have a glass of water and then then, uh, then go back to sleep as if you're falling to sleep uh, in, in a normal way. Mm-hmm. And don't nap during the morning. That's uh, eight, 8, 9 o'clock in the morning. If you, if you lie around and nap, you're going to have a very strong likelihood of sleep paralysis. And then um, when it's happening to you, know that... You're going to survive it. And, uh, yes, it, it will never become less scary. And it will never become less real. But uh, for most people, it stops happening. It's, it's very infrequent to have it happen after, say, mid-20s. And uh, if you're very young when it happens, know that, uh, that most of the people we interviewed, and you really ought to hear them say it uh, in their own words, but most of the people we interviewed um, deepened their spiritual belief system because they, they came to realize that there definitely is in, in, in their mind um, a very real spiritual world. Um, and they, uh, several people left their own church. And the reason they did so is because there was no answer in their church or from their pastor. pastor would have known what was going on. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the modern world, uh, there's no way to deal with it. So they became more distant from their church, but much more deeply spiritual people. We see that so often in so many aspects of the paranormal, where 
you know, people are going through something they don't understand, and they reach out to their clergy, their you know, their, their ministers, their priests, their rabbis, their imams, whatever, and 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 they get a brick wall. They they get well, you should see a psychiatrist or whatever, and and it, it's a shame because well, the, those are those are people that I think should be at least part of the solution. I'm going to heat something. I'm going to heat things up here a little bit. Uh, we don't have a member of the clergy in our film, uh, not for lack of trying. I spoke with uh, between 30 and 40 members of the clergy in uh, many different denominations, and uh, particularly for the <laughs> for the reason that prayer seems to be the greatest solution to sleep paralysis. And uh, with every with every clergy person I spoke with, the discussion was very detailed, very consistent. Across the board, yes, uh, these are demons. Um, common belief, yes, it's be- you're having this experience because you do not have a pure relationship with God. Um, those are not my words. Right, yeah, uh, sure. I wasn't begging the question, but the conclusion, the interesting fact was, is everyone we talked to said, yes, I'd be glad to speak on your film, except for the clergy. Now, I must admit, um, now... Since the film has gone into production, uh, I do have two members of the clergy, which we will be interviewing and putting on our webpage. But the clergy was completely reluctant to speak on this uh, on film, and I, I'm not going to put words into anyone's mouth. I don't know why, but it was a topic that just didn't seem to strike for uh, for uh, and, film. And that's going to be a whole different discussion we'll have sometime on Spooky South Coast of you know the clergy and their role in the paranormal. I, I have a couple. Members of the clergy that might be willing to come on and discuss that. That would be it, it's, wonderful. Discussion. It's such a shame too, because I mean, you know, let's be frank. It'd be good for business. They were clergy. fascinating. They were great to talk to. You very, know? very specific belief systems. Put butts in seats, folks. Just not public. Just not public. Sure. Yeah. Now we've only got a few minutes left here in the program, and and guys, we definitely want to have you back again to talk more about this in the future because it is a fascinating topic for us, especially being somebody that's had these occurrences. I want to find out all that I can. But uh, Paul, I just have one real quick question for you, and I, I know it's oh. it's going to be hard to kind of sum this up in just a, a few moments answer, but. Uh, of all the things that you research uh, in your role as a paranormal investigator, one of the things you're interested in is UFOs and aliens. How do you think that alien abductions uh, tie into these same type of situations of these paranormal entities and sleep paralysis? Well, that's pretty interesting because a lot of people do peg this as an alien abduction. You know, that's that, that scenario where you wake up and you see these forms in your room and you're paralyzed. I mean, it's exactly the same as the alien abduction sequence what happens in sleep paralysis and we did interview one guy on the on the on the tape that his hit you know looking at his story now it it kind of sounds more like the alien abduction mm-hmm. scenario as opposed to a single predator coming into his room to to do harm to him but um i you know it depends on somebody's belief system and I, you know and the books they're reading and the movies they're watching exactly yep. and if they yeah. If they're totally into aliens and UFOs, then maybe what they're going to peg this as is, I was abducted or I, I had this alien trying to do some some experiment on me while I was sleeping. So The anal probe. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know why. It's always got to be that. I those when you come into the United States. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's no, they don't charge extra either. No, you're not it's careful. It's a heck of a deal. But kind of on the vice versa, though, too, I mean... It, 
it's it sounds weird to say, but sleep paralysis and these these creatures that come in the night to attack us uh, in, in that state are almost more culturally acceptable than, than the idea of aliens. So maybe these types of visitations are kind of a cover story for those who are being abducted. It's kind of what their mind is processed it as. It is, you know, and 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 again, our reality, our world, um, as an individual, like you as an individual, it's it, you know, it's constructed. Your reality is constructed based on your belief systems on a lot of what you do, you dream, you, mm-hmm. you know, you, you see, are based on your belief systems, the way that your mind has been programmed or, you know, the way you have trained your mind to, to respond and, and to um, decipher information. So when somebody's sleeping and this creature walks into their room, if they believe in only shadow people, that's what they're going to say they saw, you know. But if Wi-Fi and is into the UFOs, that's what they want to believe it is. Right. All right, well, guys, we thank you for joining us. Again, Paul Tate and Andrew Barnes of Soul Smack. The DVD is called Your Worst Nightmare, Supernatural Assault. It's available on their website, soulsmack.com, and uh, you can order it there for nine ninety five. you said? You can't yeah. beat that. I mean, just to find out more about the subject, you never know. This could be happening to you, and you're not even realizing it, and so... If you, if you haven't had sleep paralysis, you bet you know it's good to, to watch this DVD because one day if it does happen to you, you'll know exactly what happened. Exactly, a little pre- preemptive measure there to, exactly. to be able to battle this. All right, guys, thank you so much, and we hope You're to talk welcome. to you real thank soon. Thank you so much, Tim. Thank Have you. A all right, so that'll do it for this week's episode of Spooky South Coast. We hope that we haven't given you bad dreams or nightmares tonight. Uh, hopefully, you can get a good night's sleep. But if not, you know that you can always go to soulsmack.com and share your experiences with those guys. And, of course, you can tell us as well. You can email us, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com. Uh, we're there all week long for you. And also, uh, I just want to get this out there, Power Relations, who you know is working with, uh, with Paul and Andrew. We uh, now have our phone number set up, 508 929 2919, and of course the website is powerrelations.com. And next week, as we said earlier, Patrick Burns will be here. We're also going to talk to uh, Richard Edson, who is a, an actor and a musician and also a paranormal investigator who's actually out in the field with Matt Moniz tonight. So that should be really interesting to have Patrick Burns on and then the guy who stole Cameron's car in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> Isn't it a great day? It, the subject's just so widespread. So many people are interested in it, and uh, it's great that you don't have to be in the closet anymore, which... Brings us full circle. Yeah, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for that. All right, and to everybody out there, we want you all to have a happy Valentine's Day, what's left of it, the, the minute or so that remains. So until next week, for Matt Moniz, for Jeff Belanger, for Matt Costa, we want you all to stay spectacular. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although... In many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to be.